This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another day of sports podcast. I am Drew Torres here with Money Mike Gilchrist and Steve the Oracle Dem Blaker coming off of an exciting week 14 of NFL action. <sighs> Money Mike, I know you are not happy this weekend or this week. Steve, you are not happy this week. But for once, I'm happy. So there's that. Uh, we will talk about all of the fun action of the Jaguars and Titans game, but I wanted to start by getting the negative out of the way. And the first game we'll start with, start with this week is the Minnesota Vikings facing the Detroit Lions. Unfortunately, falling to the Detroit Lions. Uh, Hard-fought battle. Steve, you called this coming in. You thought that the game was going to be pretty tough between these two teams, and it looks like the Detroit Lions pulled it out. What were your thoughts as you were watching this game? Yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't even call it difficult to watch. It just was a classic, I think, divisional game. I think we all kind of know that our teams and the divisional teams that our teams face always come to play a little bit better each time against each other and that they it's just knowing the team you play against them twice every single season home and away um and mike also called it to um drew and i were kind of talking before the podcast i don't think this vikings team is a fraud by any chance but i thought a divisional game coming in the high off the last couple wins they've had the pretty close wins against obviously the patriots and the Jets in the AFC East that the Vikings probably could have dropped this one and I get the point differential that everyone's talking about and then we're kind of talking that I do have my expectations tempered even though it's funny to say that for a 10-3 team um, and I do know there's holes in this Vikings team but I, I, I'm I, not ready to write them completely off as everyone else's because again we talked about it when they faced your team last week. The Lions team is not bad. Like they will most likely, it seems like, make the playoffs if they keep going the way they've been going. So, I wouldn't say super disappointed. I mean, it was a close game. They kind of pulled away at the end. The Lions did, but the Vikings did bring it bring it in before that field goal within a one score game again, and then they kind of sealed the deal there at the end. But overall, I mean, Justin Jefferson was on a tear. The offense didn't look terrible. It's just the defense kind of went from the bed not break to they kind of just like everyone else this year seemed to let the Lions score on them. So that's kind of what happened during this game, it seemed like. Yeah, and obviously, like you said, the divisional matchups are always closer than you would think. Detroit, Detroit Lions are definitely better than we thought. Uh, Lions winning this game 34-23. to I know you you mentioned that point differential thing. There, There's a graphic going around talking about all the teams that have 10 wins or more. One of them being the Buffalo Bills. Their point differential is plus 132. The Minnesota Vikings point differential is minus one. Money Mike, what are your thoughts on this conversation about the Minnesota Vikings being frauds? Do you, do you kind of agree with that notion, or do you think it's a little overblown? overblown and not at all i think that they've played in a lot of close games and they were able to win those games and close them out that's something that a lot of good teams do in whether it's the regular season or the playoffs you want that experience going into the playoffs if you've been in those tight situations you kind of know what place to call what you're comfortable with what worked what didn't and that's only going to hopefully propel you to success and uh, I have to just say yay to the Another Damn Sports Podcast team here because we have all season long been showing respect to the Detroit Lions and they beat all of our teams. So yay us, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to eat too much crow. We didn't talk shit about the Lions uh, and now have to t- like, you know, 
take back our words and, and anything like that. Cause we all said, Hey, the lions yeah. might not win a lot of games, but they're a good team. They're going to be competitive. They beat the Vikings, they beat the Jags and they beat the giants. So we're, uh, <laughs> we were on point with Detroit and they've won five out of six games. They're starting to really feel themselves. I think they may have dig too big of a hole possibly. Cause if they lose one or two games, they might, you know, that tie between Washington and the giants might come back to bite them in particular of the teams that are chasing for a spot. But I think that the Vikings right now, I mean, they've lost only a few games and they lost to the Eagles in a pretty big blowout. That's, you know, a lot of people have been doing that. Um, and, you know, Detroit, it's a division game. Detroit beat them last year in Detroit, you know, and then Detroit played them tough the first matchup. So, no, I don't think they're frauds by any means. You always play a little differently against your division opponents because I know you so much better than than other teams do. You know, why do the Jaguars always struggle with Houston when other teams don't? Because Houston's seen Jacksonville over and over again. You know, it's just what happens in the NFL. So, no, I think the Vikings are still one of the top contenders in the NFC for sure. Yeah, and uh, uh, the Lions, they almost beat the Bills as well, who is a team that that a lot of people are feeling really high on as well. So so the Lions have been able to string together a lot of solid performances and get some really good wins that you would never expect them to really get. And going back... Very quickly on to the Minnesota Vikings fraud conversation. Steve and I were kind of talking about this before the podcast starts. We always talk about how just win in the NFL. Just get a win. Who cares how you do it? That is the most important thing. Well, what is it? Is it more important to win or is it more important to win convincingly? Right? I mean, at the end of the day, as we always talk about, just get yourself to the dance. And then that is the time that you need to win convincingly. That is the time that you need to show up and show out. So as long as the Vikings can get themselves into a position where they're playing football games, meaningful football games beyond the regular season will be just fine because that's when that's when they'll need to show up and show out. Not some random divisional week against the Lions when they're already at, at double-digit wins. So uh, I think it's it's a little overblown, always somewhere in the middle, and uh, that's where we'll leave it there. Go ahead, Mike. Here's a perfect example of that. So in the early 2000s, the Peyton Manning-led Colts used to blow out teams in the regular season, right? But then they'd fall short in the playoffs. And the one year that they were barely getting into the playoffs, like they barely won the South, uh, and they were, you know, they had to play a couple road games in the playoff run was the year they actually won the Super Bowl in 2006. Like that was not the even uh, Coach Dungy would tell you that was not on paper their best roster, but they won the games when that counted, and they were able to find ways to win that season. And you know th- that's all it is. You have to find ways to win. Last year the Titans were the number one seed in the AFC. The Bengals went to the Super Bowl because the Bengals went on a run and found out how to win games. That's how they got to the Super Bowl. And they were this close to winning the Super Bowl. They just got outed by a better team. But, you know, again, like you said, you just have to get in. It doesn't matter how you win as long as you get there. And then once you get there, use the experience of the games you've played in to your advantage. There you go. See, Steve, we're on your side here. We are not going to let people shit on your Minnesota Vikings. I think people shit on the Vikings a little too much, man. I don't understand what the hate where the hate is coming from for Vikings fans. It's not like you guys are that obnoxious. It's not like you guys are the Cowboys fans, right? Dude, I, I've gotten it, honestly, my whole life. And I don't know if it's just the obnoxious purple, which I kind of get, which I do love wearing. But like like I said, I mean, I I love my Bills fans and stuff, but it's not just a friend that's kind of been talking just a little bit of crap to us and some text messages. I've gotten it from other people just my whole life. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the Vikings that seems to really rub people the wrong way. But even like during the Adrian Pearson era and stuff, I got it a lot. But yeah. I don't know. You think it mostly come from like Packers fans or something, which is obviously you expect, but yeah, like my friends that are Dallas friends always like rag on the Vikings and stuff. They were the ones texting me during that game. My Eagles friends, it's like 
I don't know, man. <laughs> like I said, maybe it's the the royal purple or something. Yeah, certainly, certainly could be. Who knows? But I, I think people need to lay off a little bit because it's exciting to see you guys have some success. And as my NFC Super Bowl pick, I hope you guys make it far. But we'll move on here to the next team, a team that gets a lot of hate from Money Mike here on this on this podcast, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles, who absolutely destroyed the New York Giants this past weekend, winning forty-eight to twenty-two. Never really felt like it was all that close. Uh, Eagles were able to get out to a pretty substantial lead early on, very early on. 21 to zero and uh never really looked back um money mike how, how did you feel watching this game was it was it as disappointing as you were expecting if you wanted to know how i was feeling one of the things i googled during the game was how do you endure torture what are some <laughs> strategies to endure torture to get you through it um and uh yeah it was just I, I i knew as soon as the first touchdown was scored how easily the eagles did it and then like we went three and out i'm like Oh, this is what this afternoon is going to be like. Great. I'm in for a treat. Um, and just for the record of those watching, I'm wearing Celtic green, not Eagles green. Uh, <laughs> for the record there. No, I mean, look, the Eagles are a far superior team to the New York Giants. I hate the Philadelphia Eagles, and I really hope that they are one of the two. There are two teams going to the playoffs right now that I really hope don't win the Super Bowl. And that is the Philadelphia Eagles, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. If one of those two teams doesn't win... I'll be somewhat satisfied, but um, no, it, it, you know, look, Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the league right now. You've got Smith, you've got Brown, you've got all those weapons around him. Uh, the defensive line is phenomenal. Um, I mean, let's just say the Eagles are playing like the best offense in the league right now. I mean, it's the, I, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I'm number one. I'm the number one seed in my fantasy league because of some Philadelphia wide receivers. So I, uh, I can I, I can appreciate it at least on that level. No, the the Giants are just not in the same place as the Eagles. The Giants are a team that were a surprise to everybody early on, who took advantage of some early, easier competition in the early parts of their schedule. They were able to win, uh, showing how good of a coach Brian Dable is. Uh, he's been able to make the most out of the, you know, the roster that we have and the injuries that we've dealt with. The fact that the Giants have seven wins is impressive on its feet alone. Because this year, again, I've said it before, was a turn the page year on the previous generation. And this is the new era with the new GM, new coach. They had no cap room this year. So they, to me, they've already had a successful season. Mm-hmm. Whether they make the playoffs at this point or not, next year their cap's going to open up. They're going to be able to bring in a lot of their own people, and it's going to be a much bigger year. They're kind of like where the Eagles were a couple years ago. And hopefully they can do as well as the Eagles have because the Eagles have just landed on all their picks. They've made a lot of great moves. Hopefully our new GM can do the same thing. But the Eagles are just – miles and miles ahead of where the giants are so i'm not surprised that they lost i'm not embarrassed that we lost because i i we lost to a better team and i said this to you drew privately you know if you've ever watched dragon ball z it was like watching super saiyan 2 gohan versus second form cell after he puked up android 18 like it was it was just (laughs) toying with with them or like cat and mouse like it's like the cat would let the mouse out for a little bit let it amuse itself and then brought it right back in I, I so, and I remember commenting too. I was like, he went real far with that analogy. He could have just said Super Vegeta versus Second Form Cell, but no, he went all the way to Second uh, Super Saiyan Two Gohan versus Second Form Cell. That means it was a real freaking beatdown. But uh, yeah, great, great analogies as always, Mike. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's just the Giants are still a playoff contender in December, uh, so they're still relevant, which is cool. You know, I, I haven't experienced that in five years five six years so. there you go yeah and that has to be a good feeling and 
Shout out to Burrito Banda giving his thoughts about the Giants game. This was actually the first Giants game that he watched this season. Uh, so he was he was a little disappointed to finally tune into his team and see that they just get absolutely destroyed by the Eagles here. But he says that the Giants didn't even try playing two tu- two-hand touch football. And DJ carried the team like he was August Aaron Judge. Uh, Mike, what, what did you think about Daniel Jones's play in this game? You know, he has no wide receivers. Um, the offensive line's not that good. They, the teams have been really focusing on Saquon Barkley, so Barkley hasn't been nearly as dominant as he was early in the year. Um, and look, Daniel Jones is a guy who needs pieces around him to be good. Um, he's not going to be that guy that elevates lesser players to... He's not that spectacular guy who's going to make these huge, awesome plays and really carry you. He can do some things with his legs, but if he doesn't have any protection, if he doesn't have anybody getting open, there's not much he can do. Um compared to some of these other younger quarterbacks, like you put Justin Herbert in the giants, he's going to make some plays. You put Patrick Mahomes on the giants with the current receiver core and everything. He's going to make some plays. Um, Jalen hurts even, but Daniel judges is not on that level. He needs to have time. He needs to have people who get open. And if he has that, then he's going to be able to do some stuff. And there are some things that he can do really well, but he's not, Great. <laughs> he really, I mean, really, it, it, he, he is kind of similar to Blake Bortles was in 2017 for you guys, where you guys had some, when you guys could protect for him, he could make some plays, he could make some throws, and he could do some good things. But he was a below average quarterback in terms of seeing the field and making the right decisions and doing all that. Daniel Jones has cleaned up his turnovers, but he's just not great. He, he's manageable. <laughs> Sure. And obviously, as an NFL franchise, that is not what you want, right? Everybody's kind of looking for that guy that's going to be able to bring them to consistent relevancy with top tier quarterback play. Uh, Steve, I have to ask you one question about this before we move on to the next game. Do you miss Blake Bortles being in the NFL? Uh, not really. <laughs> Come um, on, man. I know- I, I know a lot of people in Phoenix like them because the family lineage here, the Bortles growing up in Phoenix, New York, right around the corner from us, but yeah. at, least his, at least his dad. But uh, no, not really. I mean, it was cool <laughs> seeing him talked about again, like at the beginning of what was it, last year they were talking about him coming out and playing for a couple of teams, or was that already yeah. two years ago at this point? I think it was but, last year because he retired this year officially. Year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no, not not really, but I mean, he did bring the Jags in AFC Championship game, and probably should have brought, brought them the Super Bowl if it wasn't the Patriots. But hell yeah, love, love me some Blake Bortles. <laughs> not obviously that was a joke, but uh, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll move on to the next game here: the Buffalo Bills facing the New York Jets for the second time this season. This time at Highmark Stadium in some really nasty, rainy weather. It was cold. It was gross. It looked like it was not fun to be in that crowd. So I'm glad I did not go to this game. And uh, it was also a very ugly game. Both teams exchanging punts for almost the entire first half until the scoring was finally broke open towards the end of the second quarter. Uh, The Bills' defense came to play. And I think Mike White is forever going to be terrified of playing against the Buffalo Bills because he threw five picks against them in the first game he played against them. And then in this game, he was getting absolutely manhandled in the backfield, getting hit by Goldberg Spears, giving us some real grimaces that you usually only see in a WWE ring. He was really showing it the pain on his face, and that was not selling. He was for real. So uh, Bills win this game 20-12, to a very ugly game. The offense for the Bills didn't look fantastic, but they did just enough to get the dub against this stout Jets defense. Steve, did you get to watch this game? Yep. Yeah, I, I was watching this game and then obviously watching the Vikings game as well, too. But um, yeah, I mean, it seemed like a typical 
Bills team that you want to see going into the playoffs, at least getting this close to it. Um, like you said, the defense showed up. The run game was going decently well, I would say, for the most part, in the rain, which is what you're going to want kind of the playoffs when you never know what the weather is going to be, especially if it seems like the Bills are on track to either at least the one or two seed in the AFC with the Chiefs. Um, so, yeah, I, I liked what I saw. Obviously, the Spears to Mike White, <laughs> while, while hopefully he's doing a lot better, I know he might have some <laughs> internal bleeding they were talking about. I hope that's not actually the case or, like, his ribs are okay. <laughs> but um, in, in general, it just seemed like a hard-hitting Bills Mafia-style home game where the defense shows up, and then obviously it took a little bit, but the offense started rolling again, like you said, in the third and fourth quarter. So, Yeah, no, it was, it was a good win. Obviously, getting any win in the, the division this year in the AFC East is a huge victory. So I'm sure the Buffalo Bills, Bills are feeling pretty good about themselves uh, for this tough, gritty win. Money Mike, what were your thoughts on this game? Was it uh, just good to get a win out of this, not, not, not really looking too much into the Bills' offense, or do you think there are some real concerns? No, I mean, you were going up against a really good Jets defense. You got to give the Jets defense a lot of credit. You can't be saying, oh, well, this is a you know, knock against the you know, Bills offense because the Jets have been playing great defense all year long. Um, for the Bills, they figured it out, and they won the game. That's what you need uh, going forward is you have to be able to be in tough situations, figure it out, and win the game and close it out, and they were able to do that. So it was a good overall team win. You had to overcome bad weather. You had to overcome a defense that was playing really well. And you had to overcome a really strong defense on the other side. So I thought this was a great win for the Buffalo Bills. And uh, really, you were going up against a team that already beat you. And you had to really beat them to prove to yourselves we're the better team. And they did that. So they had that win. And now they have Miami coming into town, who's coming off of two straight losses. And a team that has beaten you also. So you got to be ready to take them on and make sure that they continue to go downhill so you can go upwards and win the division and hopefully lock down the number one seed in the AFC. So this is a huge game for the Bills to uh, play on Saturday night, which I didn't realize it was on Saturday night till this morning. Um, so this is a great momentum win, I think, for the Bills. We probably will give them a lot of confidence going forward. Okay, we, we beat the team that beat us. We have another team that beat us that's coming to town. We can beat them too. So there I think go. it was a good win overall. Yeah, no, absolutely good win. Any win in the NFL is a good one, right, Steve? That is that is the over overarching theme of this episode. But a uh, big win for the Buffalo Bills. Excited for that matchup with Miami that we will talk about a little bit later. So I think we will uh, move on to the most joyous occasion for this uh, podcast, and that is the fact that somehow the Jacksonville Jaguars have a realistic shot at making the playoffs. I don't know how the hell this happened. I don't know how they were able to manifest this bullshit, but I have been drawn back into the hope train, and it is really really scary because i know i am just going to be immediately let down and back not wearing this jersey on this podcast and sad but we will talk about the positives here the jacksonville jaguars beat the tennessee titans at nissan stadium in nashville for the first time since 2013 2013 i had just graduated high school steve was in his second year of college and mike was in his first right there Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> trying to try Very to do good. that. Very good. I, I'm one year older than you, and Steve is two years yes. older than you. Good job, bro. Simple yes. math. Yes, I, I, uh, I got it right. But yeah, so it had been a very long time since the Jaguars had beaten the Titans in their home stadium, and they absolutely destroyed them here. 36 to 22. Started off looking pretty rough. We were giving up yards constantly to Derrick Henry and Brian Tannehill and this offense. 
was telling, I was actually watching this game with uh, Tom Leroy and Jason Chiz, and I was telling them that every single time we play against the Titans, we make Brian Tannehill look like a superstar. I, I mean, we we let, I told him, I was like, I'm pretty sure he's kept this job throughout all of these years because of the two games he plays against Jacksonville every single year because he just absolutely goes off. Well, this game was a little bit different. He was able to put up some yards in garbage time when we were up pretty big, but this time around, the Jags' defense forced three turnovers in the first half, another one in the in the second half uh, with a Derrick Henry fumble. But it was something that this Jaguars team absolutely needed because then it allowed Trevor Lawrence to step in with that offense and at just show an absolute clinic on this Titans defense. Throw for 368 yards, throw for three touchdowns, rush for one himself. Evan Ingram had an absolute day, which I'm sure Money Mike was happy to see. 11 catches for 162 yards and two touchdowns. Man looked like an absolute stud. Um, My fantasy bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a lot of people's fantasy benches because he has not been doing this all season. But it was it was a fantastic win, a huge win for the franchise. And now we only sit two games behind the Tennessee Titans. They are seven and six, and the Jaguars are five and eight. And there is a realistic shot for the Jags to actually make the playoffs here. Uh, they play the Titans in the last game of the season, Week 18, and that could be a deciding game for the division because the Titans have a tough schedule remaining. Meanwhile, the Jaguars, they do have to play the Cowboys this week. Obviously, the Jets game is also pretty tough because of their defense, but still winnable in my eyes. And then we have to beat the Texans, who Mike said, like Mike said, uh, are looking like a team or have always been a team that we've struggled with. But if this Jaguars team could turn this into some momentum and get some wins, there's a true possibility that the Jaguars might be in the playoffs, baby. And that would be absolutely nuts. But who knows? Maybe in two weeks, I'll be eating these words uh steve see what was with a home with a home playoff game too yeah exactly that would be absolutely wild what were your thoughts on i know you probably didn't see much from this game but what, what were your thoughts when you saw the score yeah i mean i i was keeping track of it and i did watch some of the highlights today just in preparation for the podcast during my lunch break and i mean the thing that obviously you've been talking about i would I, I would say all season, even kind of in the glimpses of last season saying yes to improve, but probably the biggest thing I saw obviously from the highlights and looking at, I, I saw a stat on Twitter earlier saying that since week nine, Trevor Lawrence has thrown 10 touchdowns and zero interceptions. I mean, that just shows to you that he's kind of not just learning the NFL game, but also responding the way you should, obviously um, reducing your turnovers as much as possible while also your team and chances to win and it obviously shows because jacksonville's been going on the upswing since they had that pretty big downswing i would say it uh right after the beginning of the season for a few games but i i just think it just really enforces that you guys really do have your franchise quarterback now it's just hopefully getting the pieces around him and and Pearson can hopefully bring in some of his guys as well too so at, i think even if you don't make the playoffs this year because i think you still know it's somewhat of a long shot mm-hmm. um not not crazy it's not like inconceivable especially like you said you play the divisional leader right now at home um at away but you play divisional leader in your own division for the last game no that's at you... home that, that one's that one will be at home. oh this one wasn't was uh yeah this one was but... in tennessee yeah gotcha so yeah i mean it's not inconceivable but i think even if you don't make the playoffs this year that you should have be pretty excited for what they have in store for you next year it looks like with trevor lawrence even getting another offseason under the books and hopefully getting some more guys in yeah. for you no i i 100 agree and obviously yeah I, i'm looking at this realistically the jags are viewed to have a 14 percent chance to make the playoffs here but i do think that that absolute meltdown that trevor lawrence had in london against the denver broncos i think that really 
gave him a different mindset into how he needs to approach games, how he needs to prepare. And that's really shown with the stats that he's been, been able to show. And I was telling Mike this last night, the Jags came into the season with two goals in mind. We needed to solidify Trevor as the franchise quarterback. That's done. Like, like going forward, he is the guy. And I think he's going to be fantastic in this league. Number two, we need to be playing meaningful games in December. And we're doing that. So I, I think this is a successful season for Doug Peterson's first season as a, the Jaguars head coach, especially with what he's had to work with. And hopefully, hopefully we can build moving forward. Money Mike, I see you rubbing your hands together. What, what are you waiting to say here? I am about to say something that, Steve, that Drew is going to be very probably upset at. But I'm going to paint you guys a picture. Ready? For the last four weeks of the season. Right now, the Jacksonville Jaguars sit two games back of Tennessee. They don't play Tennessee again until January 8th of 2023 in Jacksonville, Florida. The Jaguars play two tough games, and then they finish it out with Houston and Tennessee. Tennessee plays the Chargers in L.A. this weekend, and then they play Houston, then they play Dallas, and then they play the Jags. So here's what's going to happen. It's going to play out exactly like this. The Jags are going to lose this week to Dallas. They're going to lose next week to the Jets. Mm. The Titans are going to lose to the Chargers. They'll beat Houston but then they'll lose to Dallas, which means going into that final game, you guys will be playing for the division. Uh, I think we would be back. We need to would go you? three and we need to go three and one and they need to go one and three. Yeah. So, yeah. so the only game we can lose is the Cowboys game. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I, <laughs> fine. You're going to be playing for the division on that day. Okay, so that means we would have to beat the Jets, which which is it'll be an AFC South championship game. I hope so, and that that would be so fantastic. Who knows? Maybe the NFL will flex that to Sunday Night Football. I was about to say. I mean, (laughs) if it's for a division, they kind of have to. Even though it's the Jags Titans, you don't think of it like obviously being like that, but I think they have to. I think just as a football fan, you want you you want the Jags to make the playoffs. The Titans are an incredibly boring team. Like, if you look at them, it's like, okay, Ryan Tannehill, woo. Their top receiver is Traylon Burks, who's dealing with an injury, which means that their next top receiver is Robert Woods, who has probably 200 yards on the season. Derrick Henry's their only interesting player. Their their offensive line is terrible. Um, yeah. So it's, it's and their defense is dealing with so many injuries. So it's like, they're kind of just an easy win if they make the playoffs. Um, so I think the Jaguars are the more dynamic, more interesting team. They just need to learn how to win. Yeah. Well, if they don't make the playoffs, you're going to be looking back on the year and be like, oh, man, we really let this one go. We let this one go. That's really yeah. going to be frustrating looking back <laughs> on the year. Yeah, no, and you're 100% right, but hopefully those were the losses that Trevor needed to take in order to learn how to be a professional and really take his game to the next level. So if that means that we're going to be relevant for the next 10 years, shit, I'll take it. You know, like yeah. it just depends well, if well, you can play like that. I mean, let's just hope the Titans lose out. I mean, the Chargers, the Chargers are uh, kind of going upward. Herbert's getting healthier. The team whole team's getting healthier. getting healthier. Yeah. Houston plays everybody tough, so maybe Houston can knock them off. Yeah. And then I think they'll lose to Dallas, and I think that, you know, you it, it might come down to that final game. I hope so, man. I will say Pierce going down with a high ankle sprain for Houston, though, is kind of tough. I think they they drop both Jags Any given and Sunday. Sunday. Any that given is true. Sunday. That is true. And they do play them tough. It's not always been Pierce. I mean, their dual combo with Mills and whoever the guy they're putting in there as well with them, they were lighting up the board the other day against Dallas. So yeah, they have yeah, uh, they played it with seventeen to ten. So with one touchdown. Yeah, they they, they have Rex Burkhead and Daria Gumbawale uh, filling in for Damian Pierce if he doesn't play. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that was a tough one though for the the Cowboys and uh, between the Cowboys. 
Cowboys and Texans. The Texans had that game, man. They were at the one yard line. They they turned the ball over, had first and goal, and they couldn't put it in. And the Cowboys drive back down to win 27-23. That, that was unfortunate. But uh, all right, we'll move on to the next topic for the day, and that is the NFL playoff machine. Once again, as I said last week, Money Mike loves this thing, so we're going to be looking at this every single week to give you an idea of how the playoff picture looks at this current time. Buffalo with the number one seed in the AFC moving in to their next matchup with Miami. Uh, Kansas City obviously at that second seed. Baltimore holding on to their division lead ever so tight. Uh, and then uh, Tennessee sitting there with that fourth seed. And then as you can see, the wild cards as well. Mike, I'll, I'll have you start this week. What, what are your thoughts on the AFC playoff picture? Um, do you think Baltimore is going to win that division, or do you think Cincinnati is going to take it? I think ultimately Cincinnati is going to win the division. I think Cincinnati has the momentum. They're healthier. Uh, I think Baltimore will still be in the playoff picture, but I think that it's going to be Cincinnati um, because they, they also play at the end of the regular season as well. And I think Cincinnati has all the momentum. I think that they're going to be a very tough team to not only beat in the division, but I think they'll be a tough team in the AFC. So I think I could see Cincinnati winning um, and potentially, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals could be the number one overall seed because they play Buffalo late in the year, also like right at home mm -hmm. uh, the week before the final week of the season. So that's uh, going to be huge for both teams to try to lock down that number one seed. Um, so I think that they win the North. I think that the South comes down to how it plays out between Jacksonville's schedule and Tennessee's. Um, and then you guys are going to play probably the loser of the North between Baltimore and Cincinnati. Yep. Um, in terms of that first game. And hey, if you guys end up playing Baltimore, <laughs> the Jags already have confidence they could beat them. They've already done it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I heard a little bit of a conversation about that. That would be so fun to be able to beat them again in our own stadium for the second time this season. That'd be pretty cool. But got to get there first. So so we'll, we'll table that conversation. I was really hoping the Patriots would lose last night. Sorry, Mike. Go ahead. No, I was going to say it probably makes a lot of people sick to see the New England Patriots still yeah. around. Well, and as a team that's technically still in the wild card chase too, you wanted New England to lose that because then they would have only been one game behind the Patriots. But uh, Steve, what are your thoughts uh, on the AFC setup here? Do you agree with Mike that Cincinnati is going to win the AFC North? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been touting the Bengals since we did our predictions the first week. Uh, whenever I was high in Baltimore, I was definitely also high in Baltimore. They're my second seed in the division, but I do expect them to win the division even if it does come down to that last game. Um, I think we talked about it last last week when the playoff um, machine first came out. I think the really only thing you're going to see is probably those AFC East teams kind of swinging back and forth going in for that last wild card. And, I mean, we talked about it before. Miami is on a two-game losing skid, so we could maybe potentially see them drop out and the Jets hop back in even, and then the Patriots somehow again make the playoffs. Even if last year they made it and then the Bills destroyed them at home. But so the Bills Mafia, if they are the second seed, they probably wouldn't hate seeing the Patriots even though they beat them again this year. But uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot of these same teams in there. Hopefully, for your sake, Drew, we might see the Jags pop in there against Tennessee. But I think for the most part, this is probably going to be what they've seen playoffs look like, besides possibly New England, Miami, and the Jets kind of all flipping. Sure. In there for the wild card. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good uh, prediction there for sure. Uh, let's uh, before we move on to the NFC side, let's talk a little bit about about Miami because they're one of the most more interesting topics, more more interesting teams as we come into these late weeks for the season. 
Obviously, the Dolphins have struggled the last couple of weeks. They've lost two games to two pretty solid teams. Obviously, the 49ers are a good team. As, as we saw, Brock Purdy is an absolute legend. We'll talk about him in a second. And then we, they fall to the L.A. Chargers as well. And it seems like the Miami offense has really cooled down very rapidly. And I, I was actually, last night I was on the Salt City Jazz podcast. Shout out to Gino and his friend Sean. Um, and uh, we were talking, there's a lull, so I, I asked Sean very quickly, he's a Miami Dolphins fan, like, what's going on with the Dolphins? Like, what are his thoughts? And he was saying that he, he thinks Tua's playing scared. He thinks that he, he really seems skittish in the pocket. He's afraid to get hit. Um, and, he, and it's causing him to kind of be off on his timing because that's how he's successful. He, he's got that elite timing because he doesn't have a big arm. He has to really anticipate things, anticipate things perfectly. And he says that right now he just seems off. And it seems like defenses are approaching the Miami Dolphins in a really good way where they're jamming him up at the line, which is allow, not allowing Tyreek Hill to get as open as he normally can be. And it's requiring Jalen Waddle to do a lot more than he should be expected to do. Um, and it's really limiting them in their offensive production. So it's interesting to see how Miami's progressing. Let's see if Tua can kind of uh, get past the, the skittishness. I feel like that's going to be tough with the hits he's taken this season. But Money Mike, what are your thoughts on, on those points about the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, I mean, they're sort of starting to trend downward. And this is the time of year where you really need to be playing your best football. Um, I see them losing this week to the Buffalo Bills, putting them at eight and six which means if the Chargers win, the Jets win, the Patriots win, those four teams are fighting for two spots. And it's going to come down to those final three weeks of who's going to ultimately win. Now, Miami would have their fate in their own hands because they still have to play the Patriots again, I believe, and they have to play the Jets again, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think you're right. Look up their schedule real quick. So yeah, they play the Bills. They're going to lose that game. They play Green Bay, and then they close out the season with the Patriots and the Jets. So the Dolphins have their fate in their own hands. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they're a better team than New England. Um, they're definitely a better team than Green Bay. So, <laughs> um, yeah, what a Monday night matchup this week between Green Bay and LA. Final playoff spot. I mean, yeah, we could have so many games that come down to that final game this year that it's going to be really a really exciting week eighteen. Um, but yeah, I, I will say this: Tua has been playing pretty well overall. That And I think a lot of people thought that Tua was going to be bad. And mm -hmm. a lot of people are like me and don't like to be wrong. So anytime he plays bad, it's like, ah, see, I was right all along. And it's like, well, if you look at the grand scheme of things, Miami has won, what, 10 of their last 14 games when he's the starting quarterback. Mm -hmm. So he's been doing something right. And I would say that Miami is still going to be one of those teams that I think gets that spot uh, over the Jets, Patriots, for sure. And I don't know, they, the Chargers will probably get that other spot. I think the Chargers will probably, if the, you're looking at the picture right now, I think you would say Miami's going to have one of those spots and then the Chargers will have the other, but I think the Jets and Patriots will be left in the dust because the Jets have a really tough last four games. Mm -hmm. They play a lot of really competitive teams. I don't think the Patriots are that good. No. I really don't. Um, I mean, I mean, and they, talk about yeah. a boring team. The Patriots yeah. are a boring team too. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing when Drew was bringing up boring teams like the Titans for yeah. sure. <laughs> it's, 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 so, so for yeah. me, for me, I I see it like this. I see Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Miami, the Chargers, and then I'm gonna try to speak it into existence. The Jags winning the South. Hell yeah, let's go, Mike. Appreciate the support here. But Steve, what are your thoughts on the Dolphins? Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I really haven't caught a lot of Dolphins games this year, but obviously, besides the one two, it was that in against the Vikings, but. It, it sounds like 
like you said, understandably, I'm sure he is probably a little skittish in the pocket after being knocked unconscious and put back in there the way he was. We kind of already discussed that, obviously, when it happened. But if that's one of the reasons why he could be hurrying up the offense and making early throws, it makes makes sense. It doesn't make it right or wrong, but I could definitely see that being a reason. But I, I also agree with Mike. I haven't seen Tua being one of the reasons why they're also failing. They've just kind of hit a tough stretch in their schedule, it seems like. I mean, we all talked about the Chargers kind of bouncing back and coming back from injuries. And uh, as you said, San Fran's going to be tough for anybody, especially now that they found their quarterback <laughs> to replace Jimmy G, which we'll talk about. But so I, I won't count Miami out totally. Like, Mike, if I, if I had to put money on any of the three AFC East teams, not the Bills making the a wild card, it would probably be Miami right now still, even with their two-game skid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's totally fair. Uh, we'll move on to that the NFC side here. Money Mike, do you, after watching Philadelphia play this past Sunday, do you think they've solidified that you can confidently say they're they're going to have the first seed? Not only that, I hope that they continue to win and win and win and win. And that might be surprising to some listeners, but Money Mike hates the Philadelphia Eagles, and I do. But the Eagles play the Giants the last week of the season. And I want the Eagles to be so comfortable and confident in their spot that they have the number one seed locked up that they say, we don't want Hurts getting injured. We don't want Brown getting injured. We don't want anybody getting hurt. So B team, C team, go out and play the Giants. You might still beat them. And then hopefully we win that game. You know, all I can hope for, the only way we're going to beat the Eagles in week 18 is if they're just resting their starters and we're going all out. It's yeah. the only shot we've got. Which so is possible. I want the Eagles to win every game they have left be 16 and one beat the Cowboys on Christmas Eve and just sit pretty at number one seed rest your starters the last week of the season Giants get that game because we need as many wins as we can get to hold on to our playoff spot but yeah I'm 100% confident the Eagles will be the number one seed in the NFC and that would be so funny too if you guys had to play them that week and then you uh you would Oh no! I've never mind. Philadelphia would have yeah, to buy. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> yeah, it, it would have. It used to be like that. Yeah, I had a very similar scenario. I think it was my second or third year after graduating high school. During one of the last AP years in Minnesota, where we beat the Packers on that flex game week seventeen. I guess this would be in Lambeau. But then the Packers were the first seed back then during the Aaron Rodgers days. And we went back there and they crushed them. Like, at <laughs> home, they just repeat the same game. But instead of being, being close to the Vikings winning on a last second field goal, it was like the Packers beat them like 35 to nothing or something. So, so <laughs> yeah. at least you don't, wouldn't have to do that, Mike, if that's the case. But, yeah, because they'll have a bye. They won't be playing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's always tough to have to play a team twice in a row. So, yeah. Glad, glad you wouldn't have to run into that scenario. But, yeah, the NFC is shaping out to kind of what, what we expected other than the fact that the Seahawks dropping a game against the Carolina Panthers, and now they are not currently in the NFC playoff picture. How surprising is that? No, I don't think anybody called that happening here with, the Se- with Seattle looking pretty solid over the past few weeks. So, Money Mike, you must be happy about that too. Oh, every game the Seahawks lose, I'm just, like, celebrating. I, I want Detroit and Seattle to continue to lose uh because it just keeps the giants afloat even if the giants aren't winning so <laughs> i am rooting for the san francisco 49ers this thursday i'll have the red and gold out like let's go let's let's go purdy mr irrelevant uh hopefully he beats seattle uh on thursday night football and then uh, like i did the the math in my head uh, on this playoff machine um so not really in my head 
but the Giants just need to win two of their last four games. Two. So they need to, they need to win against the Jeff Saturday-led Colts. They have to beat the Washington football team, Washington Commanders, Washington Redskins, whatever you want to call them. A team that they've tied with, they can beat them. Um, they Hopefully the Eagles are resting their starters week 18. That's a game that we could win. Um, we're not beating the Vikings on Christmas Eve. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's possible, I don't see man. That happening. So, it's possible. <laughs> that's Steve, Steve will admit that's I've possible. Written off. I've written off that game. So of our three <laughs> games that I think we have potential to win, and again, I don't give the Eagles game potential to win if they're starting their guys. If they're starting their guys, that's the game I'm writing off. So we have to win the two games that we need to, which is the Washington game is a must win because we have to give ourselves a tiebreaker between us and them because mm-hmm. there isn't one existing right now. And they've at least won a division game and we haven't. So they're still ahead of us. Right. So this game on Sunday Night Football, it's going to be a prime time for everyone to see, which means we're probably going to lose because Daniel Jones is like Kirk Cousins, doesn't play well in prime time. Um, if the Giants win this game, I'm going to feel a lot better about us at least making the playoffs. And, and that would be exciting to just make the playoffs. So, I mean, we're probably going to lose to San Francisco. We're, we would definitely lose to Minnesota. Um, we won't be good enough to be playing whoever wins the South because Dallas is going to be far ahead. So that's either who we're playing. We're either playing the 49ers or we're either playing Minnesota. Um and uh, I mean, I think I'd give ourselves a better chance against Minnesota only because we have uh, will have already played them, so we will have seen them mm-hmm. versus San Francisco, who we won't have seen at all. And I think San Francisco has a better roster than than the Vikings do. So that's a, like I feel like San Francisco's front would eat Daniel Jones alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a. A good well, the assumption Panthers with how they make the playoffs. I yeah. can't believe it. Yes, they do. But for, before we go there, Steve, uh, are you excited that the fact that Minnesota basically locked in as a two or a three seed at this point? Yeah, I mean, we still have to finish off the season. I, I mean, there's still Detroit still technically could take the division away from us. It's still it's still possible if the Vikings lose out all four games and obviously the Lions win last four games. But obviously. Hopefully, again, being a lock into the playoffs, um, it, it's a good feeling no matter what. But obviously, being a two or three seed, anytime you get home field advantage in the playoffs is huge. Um, and we talked about before with like the Peyton Manning type Colts, just because you're the first seed with a high powered offense like the Eagles going in. And nowadays, you get the first round by, doesn't mean they can't drop a goose egg and drop a game somewhere in there. And then if the Vikings keep winning as the second or third seed, possible for them to have home field advantage through the nfc playoffs so obviously that's what you hope if you can't be the first seed and no one's catching the eagles as we already discussed so if you can't then hopefully you're the second or third seed which again i i just hope the vikings finish out the last four games and at least pull out I, I, obviously three would be nice but even going 50 50 the last little bit to try to secure probably the two or three would be pretty nice so because obviously dallas can't catch up with us really because they can't catch the Eagles and they're just the highest wild card won't be in the divisional spot. Right. So do you, uh, 49ers with Brock Purdy, just as good or better? Oh, that's a good <laughs> question. Um, I mean, obviously we only have a very small sample size as much as we all love saying how much, how good Purdy is obviously has an extremely amazing roster behind him. Uh, so let's not, let's not forget that. But as it spe- stands right now, in that small sample size, better. But again, <laughs> it's only two games. Right, exactly, and that's a fair ass- assessment too. And Debo Samuel, high ankle sprain, gonna be out that's for true. the rest of the regular season. 
Uh, he should be back by the time the playoffs come around. Money Mike is pissed off because I'm guessing you have him on your fantasy team. All right, so in my fan, I have three fantasy leagues this year. One uh, is dirt shit. I'm not making the playoffs. I don't even care about the league. I don't even set my lineup anymore. <laughs> and I know that there are people out there who hate people in their leagues who do that. But I'm sorry. Once you're out of, once you're out of it, it, it fantasy football means nothing. So uh, fuck that league. There's another league where I'm the number one seed and I'm feeling great. That's the league Drew and I are in together. Um, I like to mention that because I know Drew hates it whenever I win anything. Um, I almost came in last. There's one, th- there's one league where I am like crawling into the playoffs if I make it, and I'm going to be playing the best team in the playoffs in the first round. And I have Debo on that team, so mm. I'm pretty fucked because I need all the help I can get. Uh, <laughs> so it's yeah. like, ah! it's, it's a tough look for sure, but uh, also a tough look for the NFC South here, as the Tampa Bay Bucks are in the lead at six and seven sitting at that third seed or fourth seed in the playoff picture that we were just looking at here. Southern NFL football is looking pretty rough this year, huh? We, we could potentially have two division winners that are sub 500 at, at, with their records. How crazy is that, Steve? Like, like the, the Tampa Bay Bucks do not look like a good team. No, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> if I was any wildcard team right now, I don't care if it's any of four of these teams i would want to play the nfc south in your first game i don't care if it's at home i i know that sounds cocky since the vikings again have gotten blown out by a couple of their nfc teams this year and obviously just the east but i i just it's not just the bucks i don't think any of these teams look consistent i don't think they look sharp on any given sunday they, they might put up 40 points like the panthers have done lately or they might put up nothing against each other and beat each other up it's just kind of a crapshoot of what you get with any of these teams, but in particular, even though the Bucks are still the division leaders, um, obviously this offense is not what it used to be. We, that was pretty evident for me in the first couple games of the season, but it just seems like they're giving up close games. They're putting themselves in deficits that obviously the offense can't get out of. But again, the other people in the division don't scare me either. So again, if I was any of the wild card, obviously right now it's Dallas. It would be to face them. I'd be, I'd be so happy if I was them, even <laughs> though it's a, a way to face anybody in the NFC South right now. So yeah, I mean, it could be the Panthers that make it out, but it could also be the Saints. That's yeah. obviously probably the low end of the spectrum. I would say out of the three teams, if you had to put money on it, but it could be the Falcons, and I would still put my money at least for another week or two on the Bucks to get out of. <laughs> get yeah. out of this division and crawl their way to the playoffs, whichever team does. But again, in a week or two, if the Panthers keep going on a roll, then maybe they're the team that goes in the playoffs. That's hot. So I guess you never know. It's just, again, if I was one of those wildcard teams sliding in, I would definitely want to face the NFC South in the first game. But Oh, absolutely. And it's so crazy to think too, that if the saints were able to pull out that game that they had in the bag against the bucks, every single team in this division would be five and eight right now, which yep. is wild. Uh, yeah. Money Mike, what's your official prediction? Who do you think is going to win the NFC South? Steve says he's putting his money on the Bucks right now. Uh, what do you think? Well, I think that uh, I, look, I'm not going to bet against Tom Brady and the, and the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, but how long can we Tom. say that, right? Like, obviously, they're not looking good. <laughs> well, no. So, so, look, they have the one-game advantage, and they have a really tough game this week where they're going to lose to Cincinnati, right? Yeah. But then they play in the division the rest of the way. Um, with the exception of one, so they have to play Carolina, 
who they already lost to, and then they play Atlanta again, who they should have lost to if it wasn't for that roughing the passer call. Um, <laughs> but they played a Kyler Murray-less Arizona Cardinals team. So I think Tom Brady versus Colt McCoy. I'm going with Tom Brady. Um, look, I think it's between Carolina and Tampa Bay. I really yeah. do. And um, like Atlanta's going to be starting their rookie quarterback. They're, they're benching Marcus Mariota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I saw that. Um, I don't know what's going on with Atlanta, but um, yeah, I, I think that it's going to come down to the Bucks and the Panthers, but I just think in crunch time when it comes down to it, I'm going to bet Tom Brady over Colt McCoy. I'm going to bet Tom Brady over Sam Darnold. I'm going to bet Tom Brady over a rookie quarterback in Atlanta. I'm going to bet over Tom Brady over Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston. So I think by the skin of their teeth, Tampa Bay gets in and whoever wins it is playing the Dallas Cowboys. Like that's who it's going to be. They're going to be playing the Dallas Cowboys. Um, a team that the Bucks did win. Huh? A team that the Bucks did beat in the first week of the season. And I hope whoever it is, whether it's Atlanta, whether it's Carolina, <laughs> whether it's the Saints or whether it's the Bucks, whoever it is, because I'm just picture I'm painting another picture. Stephen A. Smith on ESPN laughing it up with his black cowboy hat with a cigar uh, a cigar in his mouth, just celebrating, laughing at Michael Irving on first take because the Cowboys lost to a team that didn't have a winning record. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he's feeling that way after uh, the Cowboys matchup this upcoming Sunday. We'll talk about that in a second. What's going to happen too with this whole like losing record potentially in the AFC South and the NFC South getting into the playoffs is you're going to see people going like, oh, they should just abolish divisions. Just the the seven best teams get in. Because that's how it is in the NBA. The divisions are absolutely meaningless in the NBA. They're only there for like scheduling purposes. But in terms of the top seeds in the Eastern and Western conferences, you could have all the best teams in the same division. It doesn't fucking matter. (laughs) Right. No, exactly. Yeah, it it is an interesting topic and conversation because I feel like making the divisions less important could kind of kill the rivalry aspect of the NFL. For sure. And, and like, I, why are the Cowboys yeah. in the AFC East? They're not in the Eastern region, but it's the rivalries they have with the the oh god the Commanders <laughs> and the Eagles and the Giants. You know, yeah. it's those rivalries is why they're still there. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, th- right. this is a real right. shit show of a division. Uh, that that is for damn sure. Shout out to Dave in the chat, giving us a Duval. Hell yeah, love to see the love from my friends. Everybody enjoys what watching the Jags win, you know, because it makes me happy. And I've had to deal with a lot of sadness over the years. But you know who else has had to deal with a lot of sadness over the years? Derek Carr, as you can see in this picture here on the bottom right. This is obviously from, uh, I believe it was a couple seasons ago where he uh, had a pretty big injury. Um, But I think he might be almost just as sad after this pass loss against the LA Rams, led by Baker Mayfield, who had 48 hours to learn the offense. Um, Has to be one of the most embarrassing losses in the history of the Raiders franchise, right, Steve? Oh, for sure. I mean, I forgot what the stat was, but I showed you guys the the stat from last week when the Bucks actually had that crazy comeback. It's crazy what a, a week does. <laughs> um, where I believe it was in under a minute, there's been four times in the NFL now with this game that a team has come back and won after being, I believe it was whatever it was, 13 points, 12 points down. Tom Brady's two of those. Two Two weeks ago against the Saints, and then obviously the Super Bowl, we all know, against the Falcons. And now this game was the second week in a row, <laughs> and it was the Raiders team, which was my dark horse to make it into the final wild card spot. It, it's just, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's poorly, co- poorly coached team. Like, that's really what it seems. 
and we always talk about any given Sunday. It just it seemed like they were on such like an up and up trajectory for the rest of the season uh, to maybe even slide in and be that team no one really wants to face. Obviously, a lot of things are going to still have to go right for them to happen, but obviously it's it's pretty much done now, not mathematically, but... Raiders I are mean, dead, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> talk about a team you wouldn't be afraid if they made it into the playoffs if they're losing to Baker Mayfield-led Rams team that's been putting up fucking goose eggs all year on offense for the most part with no cooper cup or alan robinson dude like what the fuck i I mean honestly good for baker i'm not a baker hater or lover i mean he just kind of is for me but i mean that's got to be a monumental shift in his career he might have earned himself at least some other jobs some other place maybe not a full-fledged starter but i mean if you go in and do that that's got to give you some respect at least in the locker room even when stafford comes back i mean they might want him there Probably not based on a salary. They'd probably have to restructure his contract. But, I mean, he had to go in and make the plays when he did. And even though, I mean, the offense wasn't going crazy on the Raiders, they still, again, pulled out a victory. So as a Vikings fan this year, I can't <laughs> I can't really knock him from going in and getting a close victory. There you go. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's just so crazy to think that the Raiders have lost to a Jeff Saturday-led team where it was his first ever professional coaching experience and then they lose to a baker mayfield led rams team that is riddled with injuries can't put up points gotta be embarrassing money mike yeah i mean a lot of people are like oh this means baker mayfield's back no the rate it was more bad raiders than it was baker mayfield okay baker mayfield didn't look good for most of that game he had one good drive yeah uh yeah i mean because the rams are irrelevant at this point this year you know respect to them they're the defending champs but they won't be uh they won't be there to defend their title let's just say that (laughs) yeah no absolutely not uh speaking of irrelevant uh we're looking at these two quarterbacks what is relevant is the fact that cole beasley has been signed as of today to the buffalo bills practice squad returning to the fan base that absolutely adores him uh and then (laughs) ty hilton was signed to the dallas cowboys after remaining teamless for this entire season, uh, what could be a pretty pretty solid pickup for them? Uh, I guess we'll start with Cole Beasley. Steve, what, what are your thoughts on this signing? I mean, it's good, reliable option for Josh Allen. I mean, throw it quickly to the slot to Cole Beasley when you're in trouble. It Obviously, um, instead of throwing it down usually to your running backs or anything like that, if he's in trouble, it's he's got decent hands obviously had that small little stint with the bucks this year that didn't really pan out completely but um it kind of just reads to me as josh allen kind of shoring up his offensive weapons going into the playoffs and then cole beasley hopefully in his mind probably getting a super bowl ring (laughs) the best option you can because obviously the bucks were wasn't probably going to work out this season (laughs) the way it was going (laughs) but and then the ty hilton then thing uh obviously good for the cowboys another veteran weapon you can put in there with an already pretty stacked receiving crew but i did see a very funny parody account today on twitter saying uh jerry jones didn't have his reading glasses on when he saw 13 and he thought it was obj he's like oh shit it's ty hilton (laughs) my bad (laughs) i i I thought it was kind of funny but again another reliable veteran wide receiver obviously ty's production when he was in the colts went kind of tanked pretty quickly but i still think with all the weapons on the Cowboys team, even if you put them in there for a couple pl- plays and obviously all the directions on CD Lamb and everybody else running around Michael Gallup, that he could make a few clutch uh, catches for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys going into the playoffs. So 
Yeah. I think pretty good moves all around. Sure. Yeah, it all makes sense. T.Y. Hilton, he absolutely shredded the Jags for uh, years when he played for the Colts. So it would be hilarious if he joins the Cowboys and shreds us once again for like 10 catches and 100 yards. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. but Yeah, I uh, don't think so. But... <laughs> it would be unfortunate to watch. But Money Mike, what are your thoughts on these moves? Obviously, Cole Beasley could be that slot presence that the Bills have kind of been missing this season. All, all I thought when he signed with the Bills was Jason screaming at the Bills game, out route to Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the easiest call in the world, man. Even even we can make that call. So Yeah, I mean, I think that it can only help, especially because he kind of knows the offense. He knows Josh. They have chemistry already built in in terms of, like, they know each other. So that's, you know, that's good. Um, in terms of T.Y. Hilton, look, his production went down after Andrew Luck retired. Mm-hmm. Like all of a suddenly, and then he had Carson Wentz and a aged Philip Rivers and a aged Matt Ryan, uh, throwing to him. So, actually, no. Did he even play for the Colts this year? No, no, yeah, no. So an aged Philip Rivers and and Carson Wentz and, and not not Andrew Luck. So maybe by having a competent quarterback, he might see some production up. Plus, he won't be the number one option. He's going to be the number three or four. So mm-hmm. that's where he could really make an impact. So yeah, I think it's I think it's good. And he look, he's. OBJ is right now still technically not 100%. Mm. So it's probably better to go with T.Y. Hilton. I think OBJ mm-hmm. should wait to sign somewhere until next year. I think he should sit this year out. I think so, too. I think that's what's going to end up happening, too. But All right, we'll move on to our picks for Week 15 of the NFL season. Oh, man, this regular season is almost over. It's very unfortunate. Uh, but It's, it, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it just flies by, especially doing this podcast. I feel like it makes it go even faster, but... Uh, here we are at week 15, an exciting slate of games, as I do say every single week, because the NFL is absolutely fantastic, the best sports league in the world, don't at me. But uh, we'll start here with the uh, first game on the listing here for our teams, and that is the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Minnesota to play the Minnesota Vikings. Steve, what are your thoughts on how this game is going to go? I think this is going to be a bounce back game for the Vikings. Um Again, I, I don't think this Vikings team scores much weapons as we, as we have offensively. I'm not saying we can't blow out teams. If there's going to be a team you probably do it against, it's a Jeff Saturday-led Colts team, which I know has been playing people pretty decently tough since he came on. But I just still don't think they have the talent, which is crazy to say after everyone thought going into the season they were going to be a breakout team again this year. But I just think they've shown that they don't really have the talent on the team uh, at least this year, and I think the Vikings are going to play at home pretty strong, have a bounce-back game um, from the Lions' loss, and probably I don't think it'll be within that single touchdown limit this year. I think they're going to beat them decently, probably by like 14 points or so, a couple touchdowns. So, Yeah, and you have to feel that this Minnesota Vikings team is going to be coming into this game on a mission because they, they, ha- yeah. they, they have to be hearing some of this chatter about them being frauds obviously as a player professional player you don't take that stuff into account too much but i'm sure someone in that locker room has heard about it and they might be using that as bulletin board material and they are going to take it out on this indianapolis colts team and i'm picking the vikings to win this mike do you agree yeah i agree the vikings blow them out and they clinch their division this week there you go big week for steve and his minnesota vikings very good season for you so far man i'm happy for you uh we'll move on to the next one here miami dolphins at the Buffalo Bills, we've talked about this matchup a little bit already. Big game for both teams. The Miami Dolphins, if they win this, they will have shown their dominance over the Buffalo Bills this season, beating them twice. 
uh, Buffalo Bills winning this game would mean that they would split with the Dolphins and continue to improve that originally bad uh, AFC East division record. Um, I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills here. The comment after the Bills-Jets game where the reporter was saying, oh, you guys are, uh, your offense doesn't look like they're good, isn't playing good enough to win a Super Bowl. Well, I bet you that's going to light a little bit of a, of a fire as well. And I think Josh Allen and this Buffalo offense is going to go off on the Miami Dolphins and win this one handily in an environment that the Dolphins will not be comfortable in, in cold Buffalo. Uh, Money Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, after the last time the Dolphins and Bills played, our good friend Nick Padula went on a Twitter rant about how happy he was for the fans of Miami and how much better the Dolphins were than the Bills. He was complimenting them. No, just kidding. He was talking about how the Bills were <laughs> by far the better team. They dominated, but they, they gave that game way more so than Miami won it. And I think that that's, that's true. Buffalo outplayed Miami that first time around, but the Dolphins just scratched and clawed and kept in the game and were able to just make enough plays to win. Um, and so I think this time around the Bills have that, and I'm calling it Revenge Tour Part 1 and 2. Part 1 was the last week against the Jets. This week it's going to be seven inches of snow during the game. It's going to be a miserable weather game in terms of uh, people that are going to be there playing in it or in the stands. I'm going to be nice and cozy with my fleece on. I'll have some popcorn. I'll have some soda. I'll be sitting in my Lazy Boy, uh, and I will say I'll be watching the Buffalo Bills just pounce on the Miami Dolphins. I think they win uh, pretty convincingly. All right, Steve, did you say that you're going to this game? I will be one of those people in the stands in the seven inches of snow. Um, I will have my riot punch for any of you Always Sunny fans out there listening. It, is, it will be grain alcohol mixed with blue drink. Hell yeah. And I I will use that as my warming myself mechanism to get that, <laughs> that liquor heat in me. But I also think that the Bills take care of business this weekend. Even though the weather's not going to be the best, I do think... I, We've seen it, honestly. Like, they can get one of these running backs going. I, I think they sometimes get away from it. But I, I do think, like, Singletary or even Cook now um, get going in, in the snow, and then hopefully the field will be pretty decent, and then Josh Allen can get some of his highlights with these star-stud receivers like Diggs. But I think the Bills handle business pretty handily. Again, you guys have already touched upon it. The Dolphins had heaters um, when they were in L.A., in like 60 degree weather on the sidelines so i don't think they're gonna play very well yeah in seven inches of snow so they're they're gonna be so uncomfortable it's gonna be so fun to watch uh saturday night football for anybody listening yep. uh big game prime time prime time and steve's going to be cold but he's going to be Mikey's feeling on good saturday too yep what? yeah they're in saturday the afternoon. yep saturday afternoon i'll be in the car but i'll be watching the highlights on my phone and stuff. more days with football the better we'll move on to the next game here and that is the dallas cowboys Traveling to TIAA Bank Field to face Trevor Lawrence and the surging Jacksonville Jaguars in a game that I think most people are not going to give the Jaguars that much of a chance. And obviously the Dallas Cowboys coming off of a more disappointing performance against the Houston Texans. I don't see them doing that two times in a row. Our defense is just, they're good. They're able to force turnovers, but they are they give up yards and they're not that great at stopping the run. And I think the strongest part of this Dallas Cowboys team on the offense is their run game and I think it's going to unfortunately lead to a Jacksonville Jaguars loss not kicking them out of the playoff race but making it just that much tougher now if the Jaguars do win this playoff or win this game holy shit I'm going to be so hyped because that means the Jags are for real and I will say that but I don't think that's going to happen uh Money Mike do you agree Dallas wins this game uh I'm sorry I think that they uh 
they slept on Houston and it showed. And I think they're going to come out and really go after it. And again, the Dallas Cowboys, if they just play to their strength, they have more wins than they have. They're a run-first team. If they, if whenever Dak is the quarterback, they're trying to make him Patrick Mahomes, make him Josh Allen. That's not who he is. Play to your strength. Be a dominant defensive team and run the ball first. Yeah. And then go into play action and put Dak where he can succeed. If Dallas focused on that, they probably would give themselves a fair chance against the Eagles for the number one seed. Mm-hmm. But they haven't done that this year, and so they're a few games back, and they're going to end up losing to the Eagles, hopefully, on Christmas Eve. But I think that Dallas will win at Jacksonville um, this week. But that does not mean the Jags are out of it. I think that they'll still be relevant. But not this week. Yeah, there you go. And, and the, the only way Jaguars win this game is if they make it an absolute shootout. And uh, that means that we're going to need a perfect game from our offense. I don't think that's going to happen. Steve, do you agree? Yep. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. I think Dallas takes this one. Um, again, I, I agree with everything you guys said. I think they slept on the Texans. I think this offense is too good not to put up points and then Dallas's defense I think is actually ha- had a sleeper bad game last week as well people talk about the offense but giving up that many points to the Texans I know it wasn't huge but still though yeah. Texan, Texans are pretty bad so I think the defense is going to show up just as much as the offense for Dallas during this game all right well Jags have seemed to get some victories whenever this this podcast picks them to lose that so. is true so that is a good point so we'll see if they can do that again. But we'll move on to the last game here, and that's the New York Giants traveling to Washington to face the Commanders on Sunday Night Football. Money Mike, what is your official pick here? I think everybody knows where you're going. Oh, this is the game that everyone's circling on their calendars. They had to move to prime time because people were so hyped about it. you got Daniel Jones versus Heineke. You've got Washington versus the New York Giants. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pick the – it's going to be another tie. No, <laughs> I'm going to pick the Giants to win. All right, and I can't say that's surprising. I will also pick the Giants to win. I think the Giants need need a win here, and I think they can get it. I'm going to go with the Heineke bomb. Um, <laughs> I do hope for your sake, uh, Mike, that the Giants do pull it out, but I do think Heineke pulls out the win. He wants that blue and white and red shoe, and that's really going to... Pro- yep. <laughs> so that's going to propel him forward. I do think it's going to be just another really close divisional game, though. So I could see it going either way. I just do have a feeling... Yeah, I mean, here's something to consider. Since their tie, the Giants had to get beat up by Philadelphia, and the Washington Commanders were resting on their bye. So Washington's going to be a little more rested than the Giants are, and it's a a home game for Washington. So I definitely think the edge is with Washington, uh, but hopefully I am texting Dallas Baker some trash talk uh, on Sunday night, and I get to be the victor there. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's always a fun conversation as well. Uh, no surprise, Burrito says Giants washing them 35-18. to 18. Hopefully he is correct. DJ making two t- touchdowns by himself. He's going to be the only one on, on the field. He's, he's going to juke all of the defenders. Uh, let's go. Well, if Sir Burrito's only watched one game this year and it's the game he lost, he might be bad luck. So maybe it's better for the Giants if he doesn't watch the game. <laughs> yes. Yeah, stay away, Burrito. Stay away. <laughs> but uh... also, also looking at this is either Eagle... Eagles, KC, or I would even say Bengals over Bucks is probably your yeah. locks. Yeah, but that, that's kind of what I would well, say last too. Week I said Tennessee over Jacksonville because that, yeah, <laughs> that was always a given. But uh, 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 I'm looking at this, and I would say maybe even Carolina over Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh lost. Uh, oh yeah, Kenny Pickett. Yeah, he's hurt. Well, I mean, uh, Mitch, I feel like it's not a huge drop off to Mitch though. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, pretty much. He does suck, but they're pretty similar <laughs> right now. But say. yeah, I would say Kansas City. Kansas City's probably the lock this week. Yeah, yeah, I would say so too. But I, I would Bengals almost say, over Tampa Bay. I'm telling you, that's that's pretty close. Yo, Sorry. shout out to the unexpected snooze fest of this Monday night football game between the Rams and the Packers. Definitely wouldn't have thought of that coming into the season, but man, am I not excited for that game at all. <laughs> oh boy. All right. That wraps up our football talk for this episode of Another Damn Sports Podcast. And now we move on to the uh, second organization we would say that all of us root for here. And there's it's a very happy organization as the Syracuse men's soccer team win their first ever appearance to the national championship game against Indiana, who apparently is a soccer powerhouse. I never would have guessed that. They've made the championship at double-digit times, I guess, and they won in 2020. So this was kind of, even though Syracuse was ranked three and Indiana was ranked 13, Syracuse pulled out the win. Uh, regulation and overtime ended 2-2, two to two, and then Syracuse pulls out the win in PKs. Always a very heartbreaking way to watch a team lose is in PKs because whoever that kid is that missed the second PK for Indiana, man, he's never going to forget that for the rest of his life. But a uh, terrible way to lose, but a great way to win. Uh, Money Mike, I know you watched the PKs. Were, were you into it? I was, actually. I, I, I didn't um, I didn't turn on the game because I was watching, like, the Syracuse basketball game, which I'm, I had a chance to go to, and, like, work schedule and everything kind of blew it for me because mm-hmm. it was set to start at 7, but they moved it back an hour for people to watch the soccer game. If I'd known they were going to do that, I would have been able to make the game. So uh. that stunk. Um, but that aside, um, when I found out it was going into overtime and penalty kicks, I was like, well, how do I watch this? And I don't have ESPNU with my Spectrum sports package, which Spectrum, fuck off. You know, it's called a sports <laughs> package. You got to give everybody all the sports channels. You stu- I miss Verizon Files. My stupid apartment doesn't have files like the other places I've lived. Yeah. But this is my favorite apartment. Anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was able to watch an ESPN plus. I missed the first couple kicks in the PKs, but I remember uh, there was one kick for Syracuse where he hit the crossbar and it barely went in. And all I was thinking for these goalies was like, your only shot is to guess correctly mm-hmm. where they're yeah. going. Yeah. If you don't <laughs> guess correctly, like it's just going to be an easy shot. Yeah, and that's what it seemed to be—a lot of guessing incorrectly. And there was one where Syracuse's goalie guessed right. It just the ball was so fast that it went underneath his arm. Um, yeah. But when they he kicked in and hit the crossbar, you saw the Indiana players like celebrate and get up, and uh, it went in. They were like, "Oh no!" Because you definitely want to go second. You never want to go first. You always want to be the one who's answering. Yeah, and it was exciting when when Syracuse won. I mean, it was just like, Hey, for the first time ever in program history, like that's cool. I couldn't name a player on the team. <laughs> no, <laughs> but <laughs> well, and it's funny as we were watching, it, you know, it's a, you know, the university that's the hometown team, hometown school and mm-hmm. their first ever national championship, you know, Syracuse has the 2003 national championship for basketball. They've won multiple championships in lacrosse. Uh, but this was the, it was cool to see them win for the first cross time. country, and, uh, actually too recently. What's that? Cross country, actually, recently too. Men's cross country. Oh, let's go. Let's I used go. to do cross country back in the day. I had one year of cross country under my belt. I remember Mr. Raper saw me for the first time, looked at my height, and then he goes, "I'm six four, but I'm short for my height," and that puzzled me as a seventh grader. <laughs> Jeez. Well, uh, going back to to the Syracuse game very quickly, it's so it's so funny because Kristen and I were watching this game, and we this was literally the first ever. Syracuse men's soccer game we have ever watched we had never watched it before 
and we were getting so yeah we were getting so into it getting so into the pks and we're like why are we getting so nervous here like why do we care about this so much but it's just soccer at least in during pks can be such a entertaining such a immersive thing and steve were you able to watch any of this i i did turn on for the pks but honestly i was just doing some other things i was keeping track of my phone and everything and kind of i've been watching them throughout even the acc because our friend and obviously the person comes on the podcast all the time our friend nick padula has been keeping us updated too so i've kind of been keeping track of them through the acc tournament so i mean it was really cool because I mean, it seems like the ACC, from at least the, the rankings that were in the tournament, they had some of the powerhouses, it seems like, in this tournament. So it's cool to see that Syracuse kind of went through all the way and was able to pull it out. And again, I mean, the first time you ever win a national championship in any sport, I mean, even though soccer is never going to be... I mean, the national championship was on ESPNU. It, yeah. It's not a knock. It's just not one of the big ones. But any time for those athletes, I mean, that's life-changing. Yeah. It's cool to see, like you said, a hometown school pull out a victory like that especially such a dynamic one i mean it was on espn sports center this morning at the at or uh yeah this morning at the gym so yeah no absolutely great to, to see them pull out the win here and honestly from my standpoint college soccer actually seems a little bit more interesting to watch than uh professional and world world cup soccer in the in the nah, fact that i i, I can't i can't agree with that one but... no, the, listen the actual <laughs> okay. soccer itself is more interesting because the defense isn't as strong, more mistakes are made, and okay. that means there's more opportunities at scoring. That's that, that. That's what I mean. Obviously, World Cup, the tension, the the excitement surrounding the, yeah. the <laughs> overall magnitude of the matchup. Yes, I agree. But just the pure sport, honestly, I kind of enjoyed watching this a little bit more. But that's um, fair. I could see that then. Yeah. But. Uh, so mo- moving on to to the next sport here, we'll, we'll move on to basketball here. Bas- the Syracuse basketball team pulling out a win last night against Monmouth, eighty six to seventy. Uh, they're, they're beating the teams they're supposed to be. We're in that stretch where they're kind of just trying to get their bearings under and figure out who their starters are going to be, who are going to be the stars, who's going to be the focal point of both their offense and, de- and defense. Um, Money Mike, you were saying that Jim Beheim was not happy after this win. If you were to watch the press conference and have seen any of the game and you didn't know the result, you would have thought based on the press conference that Syracuse not only lost, they lost really badly. Because Jim Beheim was talking about how disappointed he was and that the forwards weren't ready to play and how Syracuse isn't physical. Edwards just gets thrown around against guys that are physical with him and that he can't take the physicality, like all these things. And I was just like, Oh man, he's just laying into these guys, but they won, um, you know, they won 86 to 71. Um, and they've won, you know, four straight games. Um, you know, Syracuse is a team that's young. They have a lot of freshmen on the team. They have only two seniors, one of which is an inconsistent short point guard. Um, and then you've got Edwards, who's a really tall center, but he's really skinny. You know, he's really thin. So um, when you have those bigger guys that you're going to see in the ACC, it's going to be a rough going for Syracuse. But, you know, hopefully they get some confidence with each win that they get, and hopefully they at least fight their own. I mean, they play Cornell on Saturday, and then they play uh, against Pitt on Tuesday, and then Boston College, the ACC games are starting to, you know, it's it's going to get start interesting right after uh, – right after Christmas time for college basketball. But hey, for those fellow Syracuse fans, it's going to be a bumpy ride this year, I can tell you that. Very up and down for sure. And Steve, would you kind of agree with that assessment with what you've seen from this team? Yeah, I did catch the second half of this game. I I mean, I I kind of blame Jim Beheim. I mean, yeah, 86 to 71 sounds like like SU did pretty good, but we all know how quickly 
and basketball scoring can catch up with each other. And this team coming in, Manmouth was one in ten. So Ooh. they they and were they kept not, it they close were not for most of the game. Yeah, they kept it close. It wow. was forty two to forty when I turned it on and caught the second half. So I don't, bro, they I don't were one in ten. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, one and nine going shit. into the game. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Yes, so now they're one and ten. Yes, but oh. yeah, so it kind of they won on paper, and obviously in the scorecards, like you, it's just gonna pass by. But in my estimation, I'm I was in agreement with Jim. I mean, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be just beating a team again. It's double digits. I'm not saying it's not. And they did pull away in the second half, which is what you want, but. 42 to 40 going to the first half against a one and nine team as a perennial powerhouse or it used to be at least in one of the big conferences we'll say school is not what you want so i'm glad they pulled away and our veterans picked up a little bit but i definitely can understand his his feelings behind it so any su fans that were a little discouraged of how he reacted off a win it's just i it's a good coaching mechanism i think because he does it every year he, he does it every year. I mean, he's talking about how disappointing he is and how they suck and how they're terrible. Like he, yeah. he's always like that at this point in the year. I mean, Mike, remember when in uh, varsity basketball did we lose to Cato? Right. Yeah, we did. Yeah, Jimmy was so pissed. You know, like yeah, like when you come pissed, into a game. I was ga- pissed at him. I was pissed at him because I went in for a couple of minutes. I still remember this. I went in for a few minutes and I had an open shot and I didn't take it. Whatever. We're losing at halftime to Cato. I'm a bench player. He takes the time in the locker room to yell at me and single me out. And I, again, I, I, in my ultimate fantasies, I wish I stood up and said, dude, kiss my ass. <laughs> but I know that's not me. And that's not what my, you know, dad sure. or mom would have appreciated. But in my world, it would have been awesome. Like, dude, kiss <laughs> yeah. my ass. You suck. <laughs> yeah. But, but like that, that kind of goes along with the statement that like, you, when you come into games with expectations to win, handily when that doesn't happen it's that much more disappointing so um i totally get that sentiment and hopefully the syracuse can kind of turn it around or really turn it on as acc play starts uh did, did we mention that that syracuse made the pinstripe bowl on this podcast yet i can't remember i probably right. made it i probably made a joke okay <laughs> i think it's, minnesota, i think it's the golden gophers yes yeah. yeah syracuse playing minnesota the golden gophers in the pinstripe bowl at Yankee Stadium. So shout out to Burrito. Maybe he'll he'll check out the game. Um but uh yeah, nobody really cares. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on. Well, well it was like a three year stretch where they went two out of three years the pinstripe bowl. So it was always <laughs> yeah. against like North Northeastern. Wasn't even Northwestern. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. It's just I mean, just real quick, not even a ray. It's just going from such a high Syracuse versus like, Hofstra, the pinstripe ball. <laughs> yeah, it's going from such a high with how SU football started. It's not nothing. Don't get me wrong. It's not nothing. It's still a football yeah. game on prime time in a decent time slot in Yankee Stadium. But I feel like this SU team, for how they started, should have done better. But Yeah. It'll be a season full of what-ifs. Um, mm-hmm. All right, moving on to an extremely fun topic. Uh, We're going to talk now about the big story coming out from this week uh, with Brittany Griner. So the situation has finally been resolved here. Brittany Griner has been brought back to the U.S. in exchange for the merchant of death here on the left. Um, Obviously, this has been an interesting topic of conversation. Obviously, everybody in the country is happy that a U.S. citizen is back on U.S. soil. Obviously, as a human, you have to feel that way. But it's... uh, it's a conversation topic to talk about a guy who has wreaked havoc throughout the world. Um, was this 
a fair trade. It's it's weird to talk about it that way, like it's a freaking professional sports trade between two teams. You know, it's it's a weird way to talk about it, but it's it's a it's a real conversation. Money Mike, I'll have you weigh in first here. Well, I will say this. I thought that her arrest in the first place was ridiculous. Um, and it was an, a ridiculous punishment. Uh, nine years uh, or like nine years or even a lifetime for having cannabis oil in your bag. Like, come on. Like, yeah. let's let, that's ridiculous. So she shouldn't have never been locked up to begin with. I mean, charge her some kind of like fine or something for breaking the law, but locking her up. Um, a lot of people did see it as a political stunt by Russia. So oh, have sure. somebody who was uh, like, she was somebody that was known. Um, and, you know, if it had been me or you, it wouldn't have been nearly what it was. No. Um, so th- her imprisonment to begin with was wrong and uh, unjustified. Um, having said that, I think that doing a prisoner exchange with somebody whose nickname, as you said, is the merchant of death, um, letting this guy go for Brittany Griner is kind of like, that's the, like, there's, there's a United States Marine who's been locked up in Russia from what I've heard for years. And he still has not gotten out. So I think he should have been part of the deal. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm I, look, I'm glad she's home. I'm glad she's back with her family. She was it, wrongly in prison, but, oh man, I, I think this is more of a, uh, uh, it's just, it's, it's weird to think that we gave this guy back to them and he can possibly get back out there selling weapons of mass destruction to cause harm to other people. So, yeah, I, I mean, look, I, it, it, I'm not going to shit on, I, I'm not saying I wish that she was still rotting in jail and he, we still had the merchant of death, but it's just an ugly sur- sur- situation all around. It really is. Absolutely. It's, it's a, it's a crappy circumstance. Uh, I don't know if this is true or not, but I saw a tweet saying that, uh, the merchant of death came out and said that he was excited to jump on the front lines in the war in Ukraine. So if that's the case, that's unfortunate as well. Um, but Steve, what, what are your thoughts on this situation? Yeah. I mean, I think most people have very similar views to probably Mike and, and I, um, obviously extremely happy for Brittany Griner to be getting back into the U.S. I heard a report today at the Texas military base where she's at. She was finally able to touch a basketball. I'm sure that's probably a surreal, surreal moment for her just as a person to be back on U.S. soil, be able to do that and have the freedom she has. Obviously, I think we all know it was a complete political stunt by Russia in order to gain leverage. And in the trade aspect, I guess I definitely agree with Mike. I, I hope that we didn't let him go in a facet where the U.S. at least didn't... I'm sure this man was extremely interrogated. I I, I hope that he wasn't released without at least the U.S. getting some references, some insights on maybe the inner workings of, like, his business. So I was just talking to my wife about this the other day. Because, again, this is... It's not just, like, obviously a sports topic. Um, I know we're talking about it in that sense, but... I, I hope that they got a lot of useful information out of him before they sent him back. And I know he says that going back to the front lines of Ukraine, but I, I mean, obviously I would n- never be this person and whatever this man gets coming to him in life or the afterlife, if you believe in that, good luck to him. I'm sure it will be some sort of horrible thing, but 
I would not want to go back to Russia being incarcerated in the U.S. and potentially have given up any secrets. I'm sure that is not fun for what he's going into, and rightfully so. So he may say that, but if the KGB and the Russian special forces, I'm sure he will also be interrogated pretty good when he gets there. So, again, I just kind of like seeing from it that hopefully even though on a very like surface level looking at it, if you put up a trade value, which again, that's a horrible thing to kind yeah, of do. Yeah, it's and weird say to look at someone, it that way. But yeah. I, ho- I hope that when we gave him back, that the U.S. at least got a lot of useful information out of him beforehand, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they did. He was incarcerated for a decent bit. So, and, and, and that as- I, I, sorry, yeah, Steve, I don't mean to cut you off. Well, I was just going to say in that that aspect, obviously, it was well worth it then if we get back a U.S. citizen. But I just hope they got a lot of useful information. <laughs> first yeah, before they I, just let him go so i hope Brittany griner takes you know time to mentally recover from this mm-hmm, experience for sure <laughs> but it will be nice once she feels comfortable to speak about this experience and try to really be a voice for those who are wrongly imprisoned mm-hmm. uh around like and, and hopefully playing some kind of like role i don't know what kind of role she can play in terms of maybe just other than speaking about it but hopefully the u.s our u.s government can see situations like this for people who don't have Brittany Griner's level of recognition and there are people who are wrongly in prison in other countries that are Americans that we can get them home for you know situations that you know that are like this I I, I mean I don't want to be trading a bunch of merchants of death for for that but yeah again it's so uncomfortable talking about a trade like that their goods or services or players on a sports team um in terms of a trade but like I said you know, Brittany Griner would sell, would still be there if it wasn't for her recognition and for people with a platform saying, get Brittany Griner home, get Brittany Griner home, get Brittany Griner home. I don't think that, you know, President Biden uh, would have felt the pressure to make this move if it wasn't for all those people. So I hope that Brittany Griner can be a voice for those who don't have a platform or don't have a, a supportive people with a platform behind them to get them home as well. Yeah, that's a... Wonderful notion, and I think that's the perfect way to cap this conversation. Very good insight by both of you guys. I would like to echo both of you. Honest, honestly, I uh, that, that that's a really really good response to a really uncomfortable situation. So, uh, we'll move on to the final topic of the day, and that is obviously every single week we talk real quickly about the NBA. So I know Money Mike is feeling good about his Boston Celtics, but we'll make him wait for a second. I'm really itching to hear about how the Utah Jazz are doing so far. Uh, they've started to, they've started to bounce back kind of down. They're currently facing the very red hot Pelicans. So if anyone's a Pelicans fan out there, um, they are playing very, very well. Uh, but again, I, I, the jazz, the jazz could not make the playoffs even this year. And still the hot start they got off to was probably well worth it. Again, they have 13 on unrestricted uh draft picks coming up in the next uh i believe four years i don't think it's three years i think it's four years um but yeah they're facing the number one team right now currently as we speak the new orleans pelicans um so we'll see how that goes that's <laughs> wild that have, the pelicans are 18 and 8 they look good Damn. i mean they honestly looked good last year in the playoffs too obviously they they hit a pretty hot suns team and obviously we could talk about that game. That was probably one of the biggest games in the past week or so, at least in the Western Conference. Obviously, Mike knows a lot more about the Eastern Conference matchups. But, um, I mean, yeah, the Jazz are on a 3-7, and 10-game skid. And even kind of their home field or home court advantage they've had lately is kind of 
And I'm down skid. So right now they're sitting in the tenth spot in the West, and again that's right even on the play-in bubble teams. Um, I could I could see them falling even further, but again, I mean I predicted this team to win 15 games this year, and right now they are 15 and 14. So they've already hit my standard for this year. So they could lose out, and they still hit my prediction. So you can't be upset by that. So. <laughs> Yeah, you're you're secretly hoping that they lose out so you could be exactly right. Wouldn't that be cool, huh? I, I would actually probably not like that. <laughs> That's okay. I would still like them to pull out some of the games I can watch and play with the time difference. But of course, yeah. So hopefully they're <laughs> able to turn it around for you here. Uh, Money Mike, obviously your Celtics here are looking pretty good. Twenty-one and seven at the top of the Eastern Conference. Easily one of the best teams in the NBA, if not the best team in the NBA. You have to be feeling really good for Boston. Daniel Tice and the Boston Celtics. Yeah, uh, Daniel Tice on the uh, Indiana Pacers now. But yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so the Celtics, uh, they've lost two straight, actually. They lost um, to the Golden State Warriors on Saturday night, and they lost to the Clippers last night. They're playing in L.A. again tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, Those West Coast so, trips I mean, are this, tough, man, right? I mean, This they, concludes they a six-game road trip, you know, yeah. and, and, and then they're going to play their next seven games at home. So... They're going to close out 2022 with all home games the rest of the way, which is cool. Um, and uh, from a personal standpoint, my bot, one of my managers went on vacation right on the night where the Celtics lost to the Heat and the Lakers beat somebody. And he goes, ah, oh, he's a Laker fan. He's like, what a great way to start my vacation with a Celtics loss and a Lakers win. So he comes back to work tomorrow, and I want to go in and say to him, what a great way for you to come back after a Celtics win over the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, and I know I'm going uh, to be tired tomorrow morning because I'm going to stay up for the game. It's about to start here uh, shortly. Um, and obviously Celtics-Lakers, huge rivalry. But overall, I'm very happy with where the Celtics are. I really actually, in the big picture, was okay with them losing to Golden State because it's like, okay, you guys are off to a great start, but they're the champions. You're not. Right. You have a lot of work to do. Yeah, and so that's from that standpoint, I like that we get Robert Williams back. He's our you know presence down low. He's our you know rim protector. He really elevates our defense. He'll be back on Christmas Day, and so going forward, I really like where the Celtics are offensively, and they need to sew up some things on the defensive end. But you know they have a lot of the same guys from last year who are a really strong defensive team. So and once they put both of those things together, I think they're going to be a really hard team to beat in the NBA, not only just the Eastern Conference. Well, there you go. Has to feel good to be rooting for some teams with winning records. Money Mike is feeling good this season for most of his teams. Steve is, is loving life as well. The Utah Jazz are outperforming his expectations. Hey, they have a winning record right now by one game. Hell yeah. 15-14. Exactly. And just real quickly, Burrito is curious about how the Raptors and the Knicks are doing. The Knicks are looking pretty solid. Sixth seed in the East, 8-14-13, and 13, while the Raptors are the ninth seed at 13-14. and 14. Looks like there's a lot of parity uh, in the Eastern Conference. I feel like there's going to be a lot of switching up in those standings for the rest of this season. But that's early season NBA for you. Uh, it can change in a, in a, the blink of an eye. So uh, shout out to your two teams. Shout out to Burrito and his teams as well. Shout out to everybody who has listened to this podcast and watched this podcast tonight. We thank you so much. Episode 98 is in the books. Money Mike, shout out to you. Steve, shout out to you as well. I hope both of you have a wonderful uh, night. Have a wonderful week 15. Hopefully all of our teams win and we come back here feeling happy. Uh, take care, everybody.